Hey garden nerds, I have two big announcements before we get to today's episode. Both are coming in early 2022. First, over the holidays, I'll be developing and recording a brand new online course all about pest control. It will walk you through my step-by-step process for identifying, diagnosing, and finding solutions to your biggest pest problems. We'll start sharing more details about this exciting new course in mid-January, so stay tuned. Second, and this is kind of a big one, I wrote a novel, and it's called Garden Variety, and it's being published by William Morrow, an imprint of HarperCollins, in February 2022. It was set for publication in March but they moved it up to February, so you get it earlier. Here's a little bit about it. It's set in a community garden in Los Angeles and explores what happens when you put people of different stripes together in tight quarters. It's already available for pre-order anywhere books are sold, so search Garden Variety and my name, Christy Wilhelmi, that's W-I-L-H-E-L-M-I, on your favorite bookseller's website. More details to follow for upcoming events and book signings. Now, on with the show. It's the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where we spend time chatting with expert gardening guests, and we ask for their favorite tip. I'm Christy Wilhelmi. Thanks for joining me. My guest this week is Ben Raskin, author of several books, including his latest, The Woodchip Handbook, a complete guide for farmers, gardeners, and landscapers. Ben is the head of horticulture and agroforestry at the Soil Association in the UK. That's right, we're talking across the pond today. He's currently implementing a 200 acre silvopastoral, I'm gonna say this wrong, silvopastoral agroforestry planting in Wiltshire, England. And we're gonna talk about what that is. Ben also sits on the board of the Organic Growers Alliance and the Community Supported Agriculture Network UK. Thanks for talking with me today, Ben. You're very welcome, thanks for having me. Yeah, I was really delighted to get your book from Chelsea Green because wood chips are such an important part of gardening and land management. So we, we have a lot to talk about today, but before we get into that, let's give people a sense of place. Where are you located? And do you have a garden of your own? So I live in the southwest of England, uh, but actually right at the northeast tip of the southwest. So I'm almost in central England in a way, south south central. Um, I live in a village called Halavington, which is uh, got about 1,200 people living in it, I believe. Um, And I live in a lovely old cottage, two-bedroom cottage. Uh, it's lovely, but it's quite small. We have two two young boys, so it's getting a bit tight. But it was built in 1842, uh, and uh, it does have a garden. It doesn't have a very big garden, but it does have a garden, um, which is uh, partly lawn for the children, um, about a quarter of which is taken up with a trampoline. Um, trampoline, uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, under which the dog digs big holes. And uh, I also have fruit trees on the fences and what I love my fruit. So I've got a fig tree and two apple trees uh, and lots of pots. So there's still quite a lot of plants in there. Um, but, uh, but yes, I would say it's probably dominated by children focus. <laughs> right. And until they move away, then that's pretty much the case. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Understood. Now you described one of your favorite jobs as quote, shoveling steaming piles of compost on a cold winter morning at Grave Thai Manor. 
unquote. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> how so. did your how did your love of compost and wood chips develop? Well, I mean, I, I, I quote that incident. I don't know if it was the first time uh, I became aware of compost, but that was my first proper gardening job. So I was uh, 25 or so at the time, young and fit and willing to shovel all day. Um, and yeah, when it's cold, the last thing you want to be doing is on your hands and knees weeding all day. You want to be doing something active. So we'd start, and you'd, you know, you'd start the day freezing and there'd be this big part. We used a lot of mushroom compost at that stage. Um, and it's just very satisfying. You know, you're moving stuff, you're physically active. And, you know, when you put it down on the bed, you've got a nice clean bed offsetting the wonderful plants and you feel, you, you know, feel you've achieved something. So I think that was that was sort of when I first really became aware of using compost on any scale. Mm -hmm. And can you elaborate a little bit on mushroom compost? Because I know you talk about it in your book, but uh, let's start off with that because we <laughs> I'm completely off script right now doing <laughs> already. But I we, like I said, we have a lot to talk about. So let's talk about mushroom compost. What did you do to create that? Well, so we bought it in. So it's the spent compost from uh, commercial mushroom production ah okay uh, so so we would basically once the mushroom growers have used it to grow mushrooms uh they can't use it again often uh or some of them didn't anyway some of them don't so they sell it to gardens and, and landscapers as a mulching material nice. um the challenge is it often came not fully composted so you then got to try and sort of let it compost a bit more hence it was so steaming it hadn't fully broken down Right. And I imagine you get a, a kind of bloom every once in a while of mushrooms in there. Did that happen yeah, every once in a while? Mushrooms. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. But so again, added bonus. <laughs> right. And you know they're edible because you can eat them. Exactly. Right. Yeah. All right. So I get this question a lot, uh, which is what's the best material for wood chips? So let's start there. Do you have a preference for a particular species or group of plants that work best for the task? Uh, what's the task would be my question. Uh, right, so <laughs> if, if someone wants to put down chip bark as a mulch or chip wood as a mulch, what's the best material or group of materials to use for that? Again, it depends a little bit. I'll answer almost all your questions probably starting with it depends because, because there is a lot of variety. I would also say we don't know quite a lot about how single species wood chip works often. So most of the research has not been done on single species chip. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, for instance, we've done a trial in the UK with willow wood chip uh, and willow contains salicylic acid which is aspirin effectively mm -hmm. uh, and that seems to stimulate an immune reaction in uh, apple trees in the case of our trial to be more resistant to scab oh. um, so i i think there's probably quite a lot of tree species that will have a quite specific characteristic that could be used most of them haven't been explored yet however that's not really helpful because mostly what you're getting is mixed wood chip <laughs> right usually so, yes which which is actually which is fine in most instances um so I would say as long as you, as long as it comes effectively just from dead trees and not from anything treated. So, you know, you don't want old pallets and you don't want anything with paint on. Um, but as long as it is just coming from a dead tree, then it will probably be fine for, certainly for paths and for mulching big trees and shrubs. Um, you, won't, you won't probably see any problems from using pretty much any species. Right, that brings me to my next question, which is, are there any trees or shrubs that you recommend avoiding 
for any reason in particular? I think it's less about that and it's more about how you use the chip and the depth of rooting of the plant you're using it on, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. so, so one of the other questions I'm sure you've been asked is around nitrogen rubbing and so locking up of nitrogen when you put wood chip on. Right. Um, and there is a there is a risk of that. There is a I would say quite a small risk, actually, if right. you follow a couple of simple rules. But it's one of the things that people are nervous about. Um, and what I think I discovered in the research for the book was that it tends to rob uh, uncomposted fresh wood chip tends to rob nitrogen just from the little sort of one centimeter of soil that it touches mm -hmm. as long as you're putting it on surface and as long as the plant you're putting it on is not very shallow rooted then you're unlikely to see any problems so the two things not to do are to dig in fresh wood chip that's an absolute no-no right <laughs> that's when it absorbs all the nitrogen from every bit that it touches um, and the other bit is probably to avoid fresh wood chip on very shallow rooted plants. So things like, I mean, I had a problem on raspberries, I think, where they, because they sort of grow very close to the surface, um, it seemed to, to sort of suck some of the nutrients away from them. Interesting. But if you do have those situations, then actually you can just compost the wood chip and use it. So it doesn't mean you can't use the wood chip. It just means you have to sort of think a bit differently about how you use it. Right. So we have things here like, a eucalyptus and uh, pine needles and other things that are reported to be allelopathic in some way or uh, can have an antimicrobial component or compound to them. Uh, do you take that into account when trying to create either wood chip or compost? So in terms of mulching, that can be helpful. Um, because those those allopathic compounds stop seeds germinating. So walnut and, and eucalyptus are two that I came across where they've been shown to have a detrimental effect on weeds. So if you want to keep weeds down, then actually that's quite a good way. Um, and as I said, it's unlikely they'll affect deep rooting plants that they've been put around. Mm -hmm. um, if you're worried and if you're putting it on something or if you're making compost out of them, or then actually it seems that within about three to four months, most of those chemicals are broken down anyway. Um, so even where, you know, and clearly eucalyptus and, and walnuts do have, you know, chemicals that can affect, but after three to six months, there's almost nothing left of that and you can use them as you would any other species. So it's quite short lived. That's good to know. I, and I know a lot of people don't compost for that long. So it's good to know that if they just leave it a little bit longer, <laughs> Six months yeah. is a really good time. I like to build a pile in fall and then use it for spring uh, and vice versa, you know? Um, so that, that's really good to know. And, and I also, I really like to use pine needles as pathway mulch because it does exactly that. It keeps the weeds from growing. So you don't have to weed as much in your pathways. Exactly. Very good. Awesome. Thanks for answering that. While most of our listeners don't have space to grow their own materials for chipping, which you talk about in the book, and, and you talk about coppicing and stuff like that, uh, which we'll probably touch on in a moment. Uh, you do give a lot of attention to this in the book. Where can people find free or cheap wood chip material? So, I mean, uh, being based in England, my, my research in the USA has been desk-based, but my <laughs> understanding is uh, there are two main places uh, in the States for getting them. One is from um, tree surgeons, and there's a website called getchipdrop.org. 
Right. Um, and there's a similar one in the in the UK with a different name where you could register effectively as as a site for arborists and tree surgeons to get rid of their uh, unwanted wood chip. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is uh, power companies who have to keep the power lines clear, um, and they often will chip it. And it it seems to vary quite a lot from company to company. So some just sort of give it away in the local area. Others, you have to be a customer of a power company uh, and you get preferential treatment. Others, there's, you know, if you just sort of contact them, they they find a way. So I think it, it varies a little bit, but those are the two main ones I found. We do have chip drop here in the States and it's uh, it's kind of it's a little harrowing at times because you never know when they're going to show up. You get a 48 hour notice and you never know how much they're going to bring. And I have, I have taken, I've accepted a load of 22 cubic yards at once. And that's quite a bit. Uh, it's, <laughs> I can absorb 17, but the rest went on the, on the street with a sign on it and people were <laughs> shoveling it up on Christmas day. I have to Fantastic. say that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, it is possible. And I know, um, for compost, some people have, uh, if you have oak trees around, I mean, do you find oak leaf litter is the best compost mm. material? Do you have any other favorites that you like to use? Uh, I don't know. No, oak is pretty good. Um, chestnut's quite nice. It, it takes longer to break down, but it does create a good material. Good um, to know. But yeah. I wish I had chestnut trees where I live, but they are, they're more than more of a Northern, a Northern tree. Uh, Now let's talk about wood chips as a carbon ingredient in composting, because not all wood chips are created equally as we just talked about. Uh, But I want to talk to you specifically about carbon to nitrogen ratios, because I think it's very confusing to a lot of people. Uh, It's, it's something that it's not, it's, trees don't come labeled with a carbon to nitrogen ratio and neither do shrubs or anything like that. So it's kind of hard to know what that is, but you've got a nice chart in the book. Is there, let's just tell me what you know about (laughs) carbon to nitrogen ratios and how people should use this or not use this when they're composting. Yeah, and I I mean, the reality is, unless you do a chemical analysis of every bit of material you use, it's all gonna be an estimation. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with wood chip, there's a lot of variation depending on whether it comes from young material or old wood. Um, so this, the young wood is ramial wood chip, this uh, the wood that comes from uh, branches of less than seven centimeters in diameter. And, and not surprisingly, there's a lot more nitrogen in that. It's the sort of green tips and the, the small shoots. Um, and typically that will, um, that will have a higher nitrogen content. Uh, so, you know, it would be somewhere between 70 to 150 uh, carbon to to one nitrogen. Whereas, uh, you know, wood chips, and again, it depends on uh, the the type of wood. So softwood or hardwood will be different again, uh, but wood chips potentially from hardwood will be maybe four, 500 or or higher carbon to nitrogen. So there's quite a difference uh, between those, for instance. Uh, and leaves are probably more similar to ramial wood chips, so they'll be around the 40 to 80 uh, parts carbon to, to nitrogen, whereas grass clippings are right down at nine. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of, in a way, it's a guide. It's, you still have to visually assess the compost as you're, as you're making it and looking at it. Um, 
but I would certainly rather be adding wood chip to my compost than cardboard, for instance. You know, I think it's it's more biological. It's it's a better form of carbon. Uh, if you've got cardboard, that's great and use it. But but if you've got access to to wood chip, it really does, and it helps give the because lignin breaks down quite slowly. Mm-hmm. It it helps give your compost heap structure, and it helps it to sort of to last longer effectively so even when you're then using it as a mulch or a, an ingredient in the soil it seems to give a longer lasting benefit than something made from a, a less complex material. Right the leaves and twigs tend to break down more quickly and they they don't last as long as wood chips which we we can put wood chips down a five inch layer of wood chips every five years and they still they're still around you know it's kind of yeah. nice that way. Now just to dip our foot in the pool of if you have enough space to say grow some of your own material, what do you recommend for people to grow as a as a really good option? So again, it depends a little bit about what you want it for. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've already talked about sort of hardwoods and softwoods, but um, willow, for instance, it grows very quickly, so you get quite a lot of wood chip quite quickly. But it also breaks down quite quickly because it's quite soft, whereas oak or hornbeam, for instance, are much harder woods and will last two or three times as long as a mulch. So you, you're sort of balancing to some extent your, the, the speed of growth and the material you might produce in a year with how quickly it breaks down. Um, and, and as a mulch, I would say I'd rather grow it slowly and only have to chip it and move it once mm-hmm. than grow it quickly and have to do it twice in the same time span. Um, so for mulches, I would tend to go for hardwoods if you can, um, but recognizing the fact that you won't get as much material uh, in any one year. Got it. And you have these pictures of, I don't know if it's your own property, but are you coppicing? I say coppicing. I know it's coppicing <laughs> everywhere else, but uh, you're doing this thing called coppicing. Let's talk about that. So that is where you cut the whole tree right down to the ground, basically on a on a cycle. So anything between two and twenty or thirty years, depending on what you're trying to do with the wood. Obviously, it doesn't work for all tree species, <laughs> uh, but things like willow and uh, poplar, hazel, oak, uh, chestnut. So black locust, a lot of species will respond very well to it. Uh, And there's a few things that happen when you treat a tree like that. One is obviously it doesn't get as big. So if if you've not got the most huge garden, it's quite a way of controlling the size of the tree. It also keeps the tree in a young state of growth. So it effectively, it it keeps it more productive. Um, So from a carbon sequestration point of view, you're effectively pulling more carbon out of the air Mm. Um, and it also then produces usually straight bits of wood coming out of it uh, which can be useful uh, a if you want to feed them through a chipper it's easier if they're straight nice Uh, yes (laughs) but also things like bean poles and uh, you know if you want something material out of it or firewood you know it's easier to just cut cut a thing out and just keep chopping it down rather than have this sort of gnarly old twisted bit of tree that you've got to somehow deal with um, and, and obviously for people that have mechanized wood chip they now have commercial harvesters that they go along and you know cut it all off and it goes straight through the machine. Mm-hmm. And so you can cut these back again depending on how long you leave it 
either in the ramial or ramial chipwood stage where they're young, or you can let it grow back for decades and harvest it for uh, again exactly. more firewood chipwood okay exactly. interesting yeah. so if you were if you were doing it for annual, you'd probably do it on a three to five year cycle mm -hmm. okay it's fascinating i wish i had the room i know that there are people around here who will grow willow trees so that they can weave baskets but i never really thought about it in terms of growing something for chipwood i mean i have a giant pile of of material of biomass right outside my window it's like the size of a car. I'm not kidding. And it's, <laughs> I need to pull out my chipper and shred it and make it into a nice compost pile. But it's, those are just hedge trimmings and things, you know, around the garden that I haven't yet dealt with since last year. <laughs> it might just turn into a pile all by itself. I think my husband keeps watering it, hoping that maybe it'll just turn into compost all by itself. <laughs> it we'll see. <laughs> it will eventually. I know there's green, there's green biomass buried in there somewhere. So it is, a, it is happening. It's just much slower than he would like. Um, anyway, I digress. It is tip time. Do you have a favorite tip that you'd like to share with the garden nerd audience? So one of the things I've tried since writing the book is to grow my own mushrooms in wood chip. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, it's not a surprise that mushrooms grow on wood. <laughs> that's, that's where you find them. Uh, but wood chip is a great medium for growing quite a lot of species of wood chip. And I tried the King's Trafaria, which is quite a sort of beginner's mushroom. Um, and it uh, it is it worked I did get so I put I had a ton bag of wood chip in the corner of the garden much to my wife's disappointment <laughs> um and and it sat there for a while doing nothing at all and I thought oh dear, this is a waste of time uh and then finally uh about a month ago uh, I suddenly discovered that it had grown some massive mushrooms uh which the slugs had eaten a third of them but uh, but nonetheless I washed them and they they were delicious and of course the the compost you know the, the the wood chip then is sort of half spent but you can still use it as a mulch so you still get the benefit of it and did you inoculate it yourself specifically with a with a spore um because you know sometimes spore spore packs are sold in wood chips sometimes they're sold as uh what do you call those dowels little pegs that you uh inoculate that are inoculated and you hammer them into logs how this was what form did you do this in so yeah, it was dowels, little dowel pegs, uh, and I just scattered them in the wood chip. Um, oh, really? Yeah. That's such a um, great so idea. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was really, it was quite easy. I mean, I would say when I talked to professional mushroom growers for the book, they were at pains to point out that if you want to have a reliable crop, it's a bit trickier. <laughs> right. But if you're happy just to have a go and be pleased whatever you get, then it works. And, and the other thing potentially is what I'm hoping to do when I spread out the remains of the wood chip is to add some fresh wood chip into it as I do it. And then in theory, I'll get the mushrooms popping up all over the garden. Right, because they'll have more fungal food to feed on. Exactly. Yeah, how exciting. I love the idea that you just tossed your dowels into the pile of wood chips. That is, because I did a log and here it's just seems to be too dry. I can't find a dry, a, a wet shady spot for it to live in for the life of me. But, um, but it's something that of course you have more in abundance rain over there. We're not short of rain, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I found a little, a little north facing position under, a, under a, the neighbor's hedge. Um, so I sort of stuck it under there. I don't think it saw the sun and that definitely helped. 
That sounds so much fun. And how big was this space? You you described it, but I didn't quite catch what it was you... a, It's a one a one ton bag. So okay. you know those sort of big dumpy you call them dumpy bags in the States, or not we call them dumpy bags, what do you call uh, bags, they're totes. Yeah, they're called totes, totes here. Yeah. yeah. A tote. That's that's a sizable amount of, of material to be putting something in. That's good though. Yeah, yeah, I mean it did take up a bit of space on our patio. Yeah, and to your <laughs> wife's chagrin, as you mentioned cool. earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's nice. That's that's a really great tip. I hope people will try that out. And it certainly it has the sort of Ruth Stout approach to planting mushrooms instead of drilling the dowels and filling them and covering them with wax. It's just scatter them in your mulch pile. That kind of yeah. sounds like fun. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for that expert tip and for being a guest on the Gardener Tip of the Week podcast. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Where do people find you? So I, I have a website, which is benraskin.com. So quite easy. Uh, and I am on Twitter, WW, no, that's not their website. Twitter is <laughs> at Ben underscore Raskin. I'm getting myself very confused on my social media. Uh, so yeah, at, at Ben underscore Raskin. Uh, I am on Instagram, but I don't do very much on it. But there's also a really good um, Facebook page that I run called Woodchip for Soil Health. Woodchip for Soil Health. Yeah. Okay, I will look that up. That sounds like a really exciting page to belong to. Yeah, and lots of people. We've got, I think we've got nearly 2,000 people on it now and lots of people interacting, so it's a great group. Sweet. All right, Garden Nerds, you heard it here. You'll find links to Ben Raskin's website on gardennerd.com this week. We'll also share his other books and his social media feeds and that fascinating Facebook page that I am definitely going to join after this. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at gardennerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff on Garden Nerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under gardennerd1, on Facebook as gardennerd.com, and of course, our Garden Nerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!